Hey, good morning. Hey, what's going on, man? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Hey, so uh, I don't know. Maybe we just jump right into this thing. What do you think? Sounds good. All right. Cool. Cool. Well, to everybody who will hopefully eventually listen uh, to this podcast, um, want to welcome you all to the very first podcast of greatness and fitness. The Robert and Cornelius discussion. Um, my name is Robert Camp. I'm one half of this partnership. Um, I'm also the owner and head coach of uh, E28 Fitness. And with me on this journey of discussing whatever we feel like talking about at the time uh, is the founder and creator of Getting to Greatness, Cornelius. Deloach. D, what's going on, Battle? All right, nothing, brother. Just chilling out here enjoying this good California weather. <laughs> I hear you. I'm here. I'm freezing my butt off in Colorado right now. All right, it's like 60 degrees already. It's, it's only nine o'clock in the morning over this way. I like it. I like it. Hey, so we, we talked about doing this podcast for a few months now. Yeah. Um, so I think we, we both agreed that, uh, best way to, to kick this off is to introduce um, ourselves to our uh, future uh, listeners that are hopefully going to make this thing go viral. That's, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's the hope that's, anyway, right? That's what's going to happen. We ain't hoping. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So that's right. why, don't you, why don't you start us off? Um, okay. You know, so introduce um, introduce yourself to our listeners. You know, family background, military background, all that good stuff. So I'm gonna try not to take too long because I definitely have a lot. When I get to talking about my family and my military background, uh, I could probably elaborate and go on forever. But my name is Cornelius Deloach uh, for all those listeners out there, and um, I'm from originally from a small town called Scotland Neck, North Carolina, where it has a um, it has a it's known for being the biggest town population-wise without a stoplight, if that makes sense. But it's only <laughs> I live there. <laughs> so it's definitely rural, like Eastern North Carolina. My, my family, you know, originally growing up, they were sharecroppers, and then my mom had me at a young age. I joined the military right after high school. Um, I joined the Marine Corps first. I, I went to boot camp actually a week after 9-11. So September 17, 2001, I actually shipped to boot camp. And then um, went to Paris Island there. I was in the Marine Corps band, so I have a crazy career. So for those that are listening, I've got to do so many different things in the military. It's like crazy. Like only things that, you know, I'm going to have to write a book about the, my career because I'm pretty sure that no one has had like the different experiences that I've got to, got to experience in my lifetime and in my career. But I was in the Marine Corps band uh, for four years, 2001 to 2012. Um, I was stationed out in California at that time as well, out in 29 Palms, the Marine Corps band 29 Palms which is unfortunately now disbanded, but we had a lot of fun. We weren't attached to division or anything like that. So we wanted the premier bands that got to travel all over the country and different countries and play music and do all those things. Uh, at the end of my enlistment there, I wanted to do something different. And um, being in the band though, they wouldn't allow me to re reclass. So I got out of the Marine Corps and I decided I was gonna go back and be a full-time college student. And I don't know if any of you listeners out there have ever 
had to do it or had to pay for college on your own. But my family is not rich. So I got out and I had the GI Bill, but I also had to maintain full time jobs and all those things. And I realized that being a broke college student was not the life for me. Yeah, <laughs> I did not want to do that. It's expensive. Yeah, man. it's expensive. It's, it's crazy. And I mean, and I, I only went to a smaller college and I had extra money, obviously, for, for school, but uh, working and doing school and all those things, I wasn't living the same lifestyle I was living while I was still active duty in the, in the Marine Corps. So I, I decided I was going to re-enlist. And so I, I, I originally went to the reserves first, the reserve side. And then I did that uh, during the reserve drill sergeant program, but I only went to drill twice. And then I joined the Army as an MP. And then I was in Iraq like four months later. Uh, in that time frame, though, I, got, I actually got married to my wife. I've known my wife since we were 12, but uh, we reconnected in that year and a half that I was out of the Marine Corps. And then now we've been married over 12 years. And we have five beautiful kids together. So it's just crazy. It's been a roller coaster up and down. Uh, when I came in the, into the Army, I got originally stationed at Fort Lewis. That was my first duty station. And being stationed there, um, like I said, as soon as I got there, we deployed to Iraq. And then I was there for 15 months doing the surge time frame. And then when I came back from Iraq, I was back at Lewis only a year before I got stationed in Brussels, Belgium to do protective services. And I guarded the U.S. MoRep Tornado while I was there. During my time at Brussels, which was some of the probably the best time I had in the, in the army, I, I always tell people I attribute my experiences doing protective services to being the reason why I stayed in the army and didn't get out. Because at Lewis, I was kind of disheartened. Uh, deployment was uh, awesome, probably my best experience in the military. But coming back to the garrison, um, just different challenges of being in the garrison and not being in the combat environment. You know, different having control of your soldiers and the way the operation tempo worked. I didn't really like garrison work in the way and way it went down. It, it's it's so different, isn't it? The, the, the difference yeah, between our, our job as military police officers uh, in, in environment versus our role as law enforcement officers uh, in, in back in garrison. Well, see, at the same time, I was young. And, like, I was only in E5 when we came back from deployment. But I, I ended up being a squad leader for, for part of the deployment because my squad leader left and then – when I got promoted to E5, they were like, hey, now these are your soldiers. So when I came back, though, instead of being a regular squad leader on the line, they moved me to operations. I got rated as an MMSO, which is like levels above where I should have been doing like that early. Not that I wasn't capable of doing the job. It's just that it took the fun out of being a soldier going yeah. from, you know, I joined the Army. And then two years later, I'm one of the senior leaders in the company. And I was only E5, you know, so that made it tough. But we had to do those different dynamics back then because – at that time in the war, it was harder to keep people. You know, we come back from deployment and the company would like literally dissipate, you know, and go to the winds. And then they would literally only rebuild you before you deployed again. So it was just a different dynamic, you know, coming back in that time frame. And under, the reason I got the job in Belgium was because uh, one of our platoon sergeants who was on his way out, like everybody else, you know, when they, when they come back from deployment, he was like, I can't let you leave the army thinking that this is it, you know. And he was like, when I become, he, became, he, was, he ended up going to be a branch manager. He was like, when I get to, you know, to HRC, I'm going to find you a job that shows you a different aspect of the army. And then I, he did. Once I got to Belgium, like I said, that was like night and day. Totally. I was independent. I got to travel all over the world. I got to wear, I didn't wear a uniform for almost three years. And then uh, at the end of that time frame, I actually tried to go CID, but because I didn't get to go CID, um, I put my packet in for CID, but I was on a, a mission to, to Egypt. And while I was on that mission, I got orders, uh, DA selected, we called it for drill, for drill sergeant. So I left literally being a civilian. Nobody even knew I was in the army pretty much, or even the ones that did thought I was a one officer or something. I, I and <laughs> wearing a civilian clothes every day. 
I literally went from that to Fort Leonard Wood <laughs> being a drill sergeant. So like, I remember the first time I got, I checked in and like, I gave uh, the, 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 the sergeant my, my ID card and she was like, you know, good morning, sir. I didn't even know who she was talking to. Like, I literally <laughs> forgot. <laughs> I forgot that I was in the Army. And so I had to re-acclimatize to that, you know, and that was, that was tumultuous. But that's where I got to meet you. Like, that, I, honestly, when I went to, I got to, I got to Fort Leonard Wood and then I was in, I was in Foxtrot at first. And then uh, all the things happened at Battalion. And then Sergeant Major asked me to take over the S4 for a little bit because old boy got demoted. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. But then oh, yeah. <laughs> I took over the S4 for a little bit until I went to drill sergeant school. But then I came back, and that's when I came to Delta Company. Yep. And then, yep, I was there for a while, and we, we, we definitely got it in, had fun there. Good group of drill sergeants, good group of battles. And then um, yeah, after I left there, though, yeah, it was crazy times, man. Like, we'll elaborate more on those things, on those times in a little bit. Oh, yeah. I, I, I could I could talk forever about, about 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 my career, but then after we left there, I left there. I went to Bravo, did my drill sergeant time, and then I went to uh, Bump D, and then we worked together again there. And then uh, but at Bump D, I was uh, in the weapons committee. I taught nine mil. Uh, I applied then though for green to gold, and um, at the time frame, like, the army was um, that was when I, we were in the sequestration part where we were you know, but they were cutting troops, they were cutting the budget and things like that, and I actually got denied green to gold. Not because of qualifications, well, technically, but I needed too many waivers because I'd been in the military too long and my family was too big and this, that, and the third. And I was too old, a whole bunch of stuff, which is crazy because even now I'm older because we're growing the army. I could, I could apply now and get accepted, but it's yep. ridiculous. Back then it was more like we're just not taking anybody, we're not taking any waivers, but it's just a different time frame, you know, just timing wasn't right. But I take that as a sign because everything happens for a reason. Uh, and you just got to. You got to roll with it and, and maximize what you're doing at that time and, you know, try to make the best of it. Absolutely. So once I left there, left Bump D, which was a fun time, I went to Fort Campbell, um, went to air assault school, got to be a platoon sergeant for a while there at Fort Campbell, and then um, took over physical security office. And that was my shortest duty station. Even though I loved Fort Campbell, it was just not a lot of, it was a lot of us because, like, we're just trying to still filter out, like, how to, how to manage people. And it was just a lot of people in my same, like, time frame where we didn't have enough leadership positions for everybody so um branch gave me the opportunity to come out and uh teach teach cadets make officers so i ended up taking a job out in california uh where i am now in in, in, in the university of riverside as a professor a senior military instructor a military science instructor for our senior rotc program here uh, which is awesome me and my family we love it out here in california they say it never rains but we finally broke the drought and um this winter has been like the wettest winter they said in nine years so we had a lot of rain this winter, but other than that, like it's it's nice, beautiful. I could probably wear shorts every day if I wanted to. So nice. Yeah. Nice. Y'all y'all needed that rain too. Man. Oh yeah. They, they, right now it looks like Ireland out here, man. Like we went from the desert to like the I probably could be in Scotland right now. Like, well, in the morning times. <laughs> like you know, there you can see the mountains, there's it's green, everything, like I'm pretty sure in a couple months it's gonna be back brown again, but like we de they definitely need that rain now to, to raise the reservoirs and stuff like that. We had um right not too far from where I was this this winter, I'm pretty sure everybody saw it. It was all over the news. We had uh the wildfires, but that literally was six miles from my house. Like I could see the mountain on fire from from where from where I live. So it was ridiculous. Like we definitely needed the rain out here. Man, we have known each other for a while. I didn't realize it's been that long, man. Yeah, it's been a long time, man. It was like 2011. Yeah. yeah. 12, yeah, 2012. <laughs> yeah. It's 2019 now. But yeah, so 
in that time frame, though, I got inspired, you know, like um, being a drill sergeant and doing different things. I've always been positive. You know, I look back on, you know, you look back at your Facebook feed. I look back, you know, that I love that history thing where even in 2008, 2009, I was pushing to motivate people, you know, like making posts and doing those things subconsciously. But like eventually I got to myself, you know, and the more people that would reach out to me and talk to me, I was like, you know, I, I probably should do something to help, you know, other people. Not even for selfish gains, but like I actually get pleasure out of helping other people maximize their potential, and that's where getting the greatness started. Yeah. Um, empower everybody to reach their maximum potential. You know, that's like my, my my mission statement. You know, everybody out there, you know, they're operating at a certain level, but you know, sometimes we lack you know, like the motivation or the things that we need to in order to like get what we want to accomplish. But um, we might need that push from somebody else, and I want to be that push for a million people. I want to inspire, motivate a million people out there in the world. To maximize their potential and get the greatness. So that's what it boils down to. What about yourself? You got to tell us about where you're from and your, your background. I like it. I like it. <clears throat> well, as I said, my name is Robert Camp. I'm the uh, the creator, owner, head coach of E28 Fitness. Um, so before I go further into that, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, so born and raised in Alabama. Um I was actually born at Fort Rucker. Uh, my my father retired um, from the U.S. Army uh, when I was about three years old. Uh, moved down to Mobile, uh, where he got a job as a uh, high school uh, junior ROTC instructor. Um, mm. That's where I spent the rest of my uh, child and uh, preteen and teen years. Um, come from a actually rather large family. I'm the youngest of seven. Wow. <laughs> youngest of seven. Um, man, family reunion, we, we break 40 without even trying. I believe it. 24 nieces and nephews now. Mm. Um, and uh, one, one grandchild is now, not for me, for my parents, one grandchild now. Mm. Um, so really, really big family. <clears throat> I'm very blessed to have the family I am that I have. Um, there's no rule. You know, you hear about the stories where, you know, in any family, there's that, that one black sheep or the the one person that, you know, can't get along or whatever the case may be. And you know, we're, we're not a, a perfect family by no means. And we have our disagreements from time to time. But, you know, I don't, I don't think I would be... Uh, without one, the example of my mother and father, um, and then the, uh, my, my brothers and sisters, we, we have a very blessed to have the family that I do. Um, recently engaged, uh, that's one of the reasons I'm moving out here to Colorado in April, uh, when mm. I retire, um, I have two, uh, awesome kids. Uh, they are. I am inheriting two wonderful stepsons uh, when when I when I do get married, um, and they're they're two pretty cool little dudes. Mm-hmm. So, born and raised in um, Alabama, uh, raised like I said, majority of the time in Mobile. And man, I graduated. Um, I joined the army right out of high school. <clears throat> And when I say right out of high school, I graduated like May 24th, uh, 
turned 18 in June and was in basic training at Fort McCollum, Alabama, um, June 10th. Oh, wow. That was really quick. Been, yeah. Like two weeks from graduation to stepping off the bus, getting yelled at by Jarrell Sarnes. I couldn't. I took the summer off. I, I, I graduated in June, and I, I, I didn't ship until September. I was like, I'm going to take the summer and enjoy it with my friends, and then I'll go to boot camp. <laughs> yep, yep. My dad, being an officer, uh, really wanted, really was pushing me to, to, to go the officer route. Um, but I, I knew I was not mature enough to go right into college after high school. Um, and being a soldier, that's, I mean, honestly, that's, it may sound cliche, but growing up, I, you know, people would ask me, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? I want to be a soldier. I want to be a soldier. Um, and that's really the only thing I remember ever wanting to do, uh, growing up. Um, and that's what I did. Joined right out of high school, uh, became an MP for Fort McClellan. Um, I was in the last few classes, actually. Uh, to graduate from Fort McCullen uh, before uh, it was closed down for active duty um, and the MP schoolhouse was moved from Fort McCullen to Fort Leonard Wood. Right. Um, so I've been in the Army over 20 years now. I retire this coming July. It'll make it a little over 21 years. Um not going to go into all, all the different places I've been because we'll be here forever if I do that. All right. Um, first duty station was Korea. So 18 years old. Around the world already. Um, and, the, you know, the, the Army's been the Army's been good to me. Um, just like you, you know, you have, you have those rough patches. <clears throat> we both have good leaders. We both have bad leaders. Um, but, you know, I... I don't regret regret uh, the last twenty years at all. Uh, it's been it's been one hell of a ride, um, and it's given me the opportunity to see a bunch of different places mm-hmm. and meet a bunch of different great people. Hence, the reason you and I are here talking today. Right. Um. So, uh, when when it comes to, um. My, uh, my company, my brand, uh, E28 Fitness. Um, I found my passion for fitness probably about, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago. Um, yeah, we always did PT in the army. You know, we, you know, we do PT so we can, you know, fight and win the nation's wars. Right. That's, that's, that's why we we don't, we don't do PT to pass PT test contrary to, to some leaders popular opinion um, we do pt to to fight and win in combat that's our job as soldiers yes um but it wasn't you know i getting more and more into fitness um found crossfit yes i'm a crossfitter for those of you listening <laughs> um but i respect all types of you know any type anything that's going to make you physically uh better um and with that Hopefully that leads to um, you being mentally better as well. Um, I, have, I have friends that are powerlifters. I have friends that teach group classes like Zumba or Body Pump or stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I got people that you know are on stage bodybuilders that are friends of mine. So 
don't don't hate any of that. You know, if, it, if it's making you a, a better person um, and it's what you're passionate about, it hey, chase after it. That's what it's all about. That's yeah. exactly what it's all about. Um, some people look down on different types of you know, you know fitness regiments or whatever the case may be, but I mean, there's there's a niche for everybody. Um, right. Mine just happens to be CrossFit um, with a little bit of powerlifting and Olympic lifting mixed in. Um, and, and re- really um, found my passion um, as being a coach, um, similar to, to what you found as being, um, uh, is it fair to say, a motivational speaker? Is that fair to say? Mm. Uh, I- that's the closest way to say it. I mean, like, it's, I don't want to necessarily compartmentalize, but yes, I mean, yeah, I want to, I want to motivate people to do, to do and maximize their potential. That's what it boils down to. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that, and that's kind of where I found my passion in the fitness and especially uh, being coach and trainer um, is just to help people find the better version, better version of themselves that they want to do. Um, Cause you and I both know you can't force anybody to do something. They got to want it. Right. Um, but, but being a coach um, and helping people you know, reach those goals, you know, see, seeing athletes progress over weeks and months and years um, and do, you know, complete lifestyle changes is the most gratifying thing I've found is, you know, specifically related to being a coach. Um, oh, it's, it's inspiring. That's for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. So that's, you know, that, that's the, the meat and potatoes, as they say, <clears throat> for, um, for me creating uh, E2A Fitness is just try to reach out um, and helping people uh, transform their, their lives, their body, and in the meantime, enriching their quality as well as their quantity of life. Um, right. Because we don't. We don't want to be 70 years old, stuck in a nursing home, needing help to live. No, nobody wants that. I, I want to be 85 years old, still throwing a barbell around. You know what I mean? Yep. That'd be life. I don't want to just grow old. I want to grow old and be able to still thrive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, the I, I have to touch on the name. Um, I have to touch on the name E Two Eight Fitness real quick because it's it's yeah, something please, it's it's something that's important to me. I love it, man. So, I love it. Uh, one thing that I hold near and dear uh, that's extremely important to me, um, in addition to uh, my my family, um, is my faith. Um, mm-hmm. My faith in 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 God, and that's that's where the name derived from. E Two Eight is actually short. Um, for Ephesians two eight, um, which is my my favorite Bible verse, um, and the name the name sprouted from that, and not, not vice versa. Um, you know, e two eight, you know, Ephesians two eight says, um, "By grace, and this is not a gift of yourself, or this is not of yourself, but is a gift from God." Um, mm-hmm. And it's basically my one of how I need to live and treat other people um, but two everything I have in this life and the next um, is purely from God it's nothing that I did on my own um, 
so I mean that's been my favorite Bible verse for years. And then when it was time uh, to launch the uh, launch the company, um, I mean I couldn't think of a of a, a better name to represent um, represent who I was as a person um, and represent uh, what I wanted to do and help other people to do. So <clears throat> that's it. That's me. That's awesome. Um, I mean, especially that branding, like that, that, that's a powerful scripture. And, um, like you said, it's so important to, to, to pay homage. I mean, I know everybody's not religious. I am, you know, I know that God is, 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 is where I get my strength. And it's so important to pay homage to that, to let, to let one, not only him know that he is, you know, the strength and the power that that you derive from, but that what he gives you, you will use for good and help others. Like that's just so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, one one thing I, I I do want to address because you know I, I want this and I, as well as I'm sure you do, you want this podcast to be open to everybody, everyone. Uh, yes. So what I think I need to caveat off what you just said um, by saying I'm not I'm not a Christian because I think that I'm better than anybody or that I'm you know without sin. It's actually just the opposite. Um, <laughs> I I know that I'm a sinful person um and that's why i need god um i don't i don't search god because i think i'm better um, i search god because i know i need it right um so um you you mentioned something i want to go back to to what you said about uh when you joined the marine corps um you said it was you you shipped to boot camp right after 9-11 was was 9-11 one of the reasons you joined or was that just it just happened to be between when you signed up and when you so actually just, moved to business? I was, so I, unlike you I didn't know anything about the military growing up I have anybody in my family that was in the military and um my mom was the first person in my family to go to college so in high school I always was like she always pushed me to go to college. You know, we, we, we went and did the high, the college visits. I was really good at sports and I was in the band. Obviously I, I was in the Marine band. And so I had scholarships to go to college, but just being in the time frame I was in the mindset I was like my senior year, I, I want to say on a whim, but kind of on a whim, I joined the Marine Corps. I actually skipped school and went to MEPS after my 18th birthday <laughs> and signed up <laughs> and joined the death. I, I just wanted to get away. I mean, not that I didn't love my parents, you know, I did my mom and my stepdad, you know, they took care of me and they raised me. Right. But I, I wanted to, I, same thing. I, I just didn't feel like I was mature enough to go to college on my own. And, um, to do the right thing. I didn't want to go and waste anybody's money because I just, I just knew that I, I felt like I wasn't mature enough to handle that situation. And so at the time, you know, I mean, not, not necessarily impulsively. I obviously thought about it, but I, I went to the recruiter like, because you know, when you're doing that, that time frame, you want to um, just keep your options open. So I talked to the recruiter, but I told him I had no intention of joining the Marine Corps, but just, over time, you know, I called him back and I was like, hey, what, what is this thing, you know, that, that what, is, what, what, what else can you guys do for me? You know, what else we can do? And then and that's how it is. So I actually was already in the depth before. But like, so the morning 9-11 happened, you know, I mean, it was obviously a bad time for our country. But like literally after I watched a plane hit um, on the news, my phone rings, my recruiter, just making sure that I'm still going to go to boot camp. Like, it was funny. <laughs> hey, I, like, I was on recruiting duty, man. I, I, know what, I know what it's like to have somebody show up and. And then not ship. Right. 
So he called me. He was like, hey, hey, uh, I'm supposed to get a hold of you guys, make sure everything's good. I was like, yeah, I'm in the bed, sleep, man. I was like, I- I'll see you next week. I'm still going. Like, I- I'm not going to not I'm not going to not go. You know, I'm definitely going to still go. So it happened afterwards. Like, I- and I literally I was supposed to ship that week, actually, because in the Marine Corps, like, well, you know how the maps were. You was a recruiter. So each day, like different branches ship. So I was actually supposed to ship the 13th, like that Thursday. But because of everything that happened with 9-11, people got pushed back. Like he didn't end up taking me to Meps until like the next Sunday, and I stayed staying there until the seventeenth. So like, even though he pushed me on that Sunday, I didn't actually go to Paris Island until the next Tuesday. So one, exactly one week afterwards, yeah. So, yeah, crazy. It is. I guess like it's good though and bad because in the Marine Corps, it's not like well, it, it, I'm sure the Army was the same way back back then. We didn't have uh like uh media or any of those things. So even though like nine eleven happened, it became like like I didn't know anything else about it until December or something, you know. So from from the time I left home, I didn't have any contact other than news or people writing me. No news, whatever. So my mom and my my friends and things like that that wrote me letters and sent me news clips. That's all the contact I had with the outside world. So yeah. I didn't I didn't know anything about like which I was glad of, I was I, I didn't know anything about it, but I was happy to see afterwards like how the nation came together, you know, in, in those few months after nine eleven, you know. Because, like I said, I didn't know anything about any of that, you know. But the same thing happened to me in that time frame. Because in, in boot camp, you know how it is. I mean, it don't matter where you're from, you know. Like, my, my bunkmate, I remember my bunkmate. He was from, like, middle of nowhere, Iowa. Ohio, Iowa. Yeah, Iowa. Like, he'd never even seen black people before. So, like, I was literally the first black person that he actually got to, to interact with, you know. So, while the nation was building together on the outside, you know, outside of, you know, boot camp and that controlled environment, we were doing the same thing, you know, as Marines every day, you know, because they they told us, my, my drill instructor is like, there is no black and white. There is no just, I don't care where you're from. We're all green. You know, you're dark green, you're light green, but we're all green. Like all of the rest of that stuff doesn't matter, you know. So while they were, the nation was coming together on the outside, we were coming together on the inside, you know, and building each other up. So I, I, I still would have joined anyway, regardless of 9-11 for sure. So, but like that, that, that call made it even better you know so afterwards i i commend everybody who came after us because they knew when they joined that they were going to go to war you know i didn't necessarily i knew there was a chance possibility but um i didn't know the the depth of it before i actually got to go to boot camp yeah yeah been a been a crazy man 18 years now right almost 18 right yeah this year will be um I i got out for a little bit but yeah i hit 16 of active duty last fall. So I got like a little bit less than four years until I can retire. So I'm kind of jealous of you a little bit, you know, you're at that point already, but I still got a few years left, which I mean, I'm not that jealous. I, I enjoy my job. I really do. Like the army has blessed me like in my family so much, like to be able to do and see things, you know, like, like we said, we have those ups and downs, but I'm actually at an up right now. Like I love the job that I get to do every day here, like yeah. the impact that the future leaders in the army, you know, and to, to do the different things. And I mean, it's just, it's just, I can't even count it, you know? So like the impact that I make now, you know, these lieutenants, you know, when they become in a commission, they're going to impact their platoons, you know? And then like that exponential impacting of everybody that they're going to touch and see forever, you know, like the things that I teach them could go on for the whole next generation without a doubt, like even more so than when I was a drill sergeant, not that they can't, but like the thousands that I taught there and the ones that I teach here, so many people are going to get, you know, the low chisms, you know, like, that push forward and the, the values that I'm trying to instill in these guys, they're going to give to their people in the future, which is crazy to me. I can't even think about it. Like I can't even fathom like that level of impact that's going to happen. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's ironic that, 
you and I both have um, similar experiences because we were both drill sergeants. Obviously, we're you know, drill sergeants together. Um, and for all my other drill sergeants out there, uh, the best company uh, in the best battalion in the best brigade in the United States Army. Um, some quality NCOs that you and I got to work with. Without a uh, doubt. But then we're, I, I went on to to a couple assignments later, uh, you know, help train uh, lieutenants um, in MP Bullock. Mm-hmm. And you, you're now training uh, cadets to become lieutenants. Um, so we've trained, <clears throat> for lack of better terms, we've trained the blue collar and the white collar side of the Army. Right. Yep. It's awesome. I mean, it's it's crazy to see the difference too. Like, but I love it. Like the challenges here are a little bit different. Like with the like we said, we talked about the blue collar side. Um, I could be. You have to be charismatic in your approach now. I, I definitely have to be way more charismatic. You know now, considering the fact that, like I said, my guys aren't even in the army yet. Like they aren't right, even. Right. They don't have no. They would have no obligation to stay here whatsoever. So like, if they have a bad day, they could like literally say, "Hey, sorry, this is my last quarter. I'm dropping after this. I don't want to be here no more." I'm like, and, and there's nothing I can do about it you know, whatsoever. So, like, it's it's like it's challenging, but I love it though because like I can I actually see how I get to impact people and and influence them. Like I said, being charismatic in my approach to make sure that I I get across what I need to get across. But like I can't just be like as a drill sergeant, you know, you you could be 100% forceful. I'm in control here. Like you're here, you can't go nowhere unless I tell you you can go. You know, just that different dynamic is crazy to me. Like, it, it wasn't necessarily a learning curve because I had that time in, that time in between uh, going back to the regular line. But, like, I, I, it's, it's crazy to me, like, still, like, to fathom like that, like, how I had to had to morph, like, who I am. People, you know, message me all the time because they remember when I was drill starting to lotion under the hat. And they're like, oh, I feel bad for your cadets. But I'm like, I'm not necessarily nicer, but I have to be a little bit different than oh, yeah. I was. Back then. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and re- really, if you think about it, I mean, that that's kind of the same way we were on trail, right? So yeah. we, we receive those privates day zero um, straight from reception. Mm-hmm. Um, and the drill sergeant they saw getting off the bus was the same person. Right. But the leadership style has now shifted over those 19 and a half weeks. Yeah. No, definitely. We go from taking a civilian, turning them into a soldier you know, changing mindsets, just like you said, you know, we, we, we both experienced, you know, people who've never seen a white guy before or who have, who hasn't seen a black guy before, um, changing those preconceived notions that, Hey, this is no longer about you. You were part of a much bigger organization, a much bigger team, um, changing that individual, individualistic mindset to the end of, MP specific training. That's not the same drill sergeant. It's the same person, right? Right. But, but you know the the, the leader is still there. Um, but I don't want to say the leadership style because I'm I'm a firm believer once that's solidified that that doesn't change. But how right. you approach individuals, um, either either as a collective um, or on a one on one basis. Um, you, you have to be a fluid leader. It, it's it's not one size fits all. Um, no, it can't be because you, you 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 and I both know so, soldiers, lieutenants, officers, enlisted. It doesn't really matter. 
you know, if you're, you know, if you're you know, trying to help a, a civilian counterpart out, um, that that leadership style has to be good because everybody learns and receives information in different ways. Right. It just it's it's. What was I gonna say? Uh, it's just. It, it, totally different. You have to be, like I said, it, it can't be the same way. Like you said, your leadership style is the same, but even as a drill sergeant, like all the huffing and puffing and stuff like that, I tell people all the time. And like I tried to tell other drill sergeants as well, which I thought was the difference between a good drill sergeant and a bad drill sergeant was like when I, when drill sergeant Deloach was like going 5150, as I used to say, and flying yeah. off the walls, it was never personal for me. It was yeah. always to, to maximize that person, you know, to in that situation to get the best out of them that I could get. Not necessarily, not, it was never personal. Like I yeah. never like, I would literally go from flying off the walls, like throwing my hat, you know, going crazy to like two seconds later walking out of the bay, looking at my battle, say, hey, you want to go get something to eat? Like, let's go. Like, it was never I, – I, I was intense in that moment because that's what needed to be there. But I was never – I never was personally affected, like, emotionally yeah. when I left that room. Like, it was just it, – it, it just what had to happen. You know, it wasn't necessarily, like I said, an emotional reflection that, like, I carried with me throughout the rest of my day. Like – if a private did something wrong or something they didn't know, they, that's what they're supposed to do. You know, I'm supposed to teach them, though, you know, and help them get on the right path. But that's not personal for me. Like, I corrected deficiency, and then I go I go play with my kids right afterwards. Like, it was nothing, like, that I would keep and hold on to people. And that's why I had to – that's what that's the main point that I tried to get across to everybody was that, like, in my soldiers, you know, the trainees, that, like, it's not personal in that aspect where I want this bad for you, I want this to happen bad for you. It's personal in the aspect that I want to maximize you and what you can do and if that inquires me to be intense and to yell and loud, then that's what it is. But it's not personal against you personally, but just what I'm trying to get you from point A to point B. That's the personal part. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think we've had that discussion, um, you know, dur- during, you know, the cycle reset and leading up to the days, you know, day zero when we, when we received the soldiers, everything's controlled aggression. Um, right. It's, I don't want to say it's for show, um, but but it's there to you know to make an impact to make a statement to you know wake up these young men and women and and get a point across in a fashion that's going to stick. Um, but but that controlled aggression that doesn't all the yelling and screaming you you and I both know that doesn't go on for 19 weeks. No, no, it can't because because that mind that individualistic mindset that soldier's mind is further developing and changing. Where you don't have to yell. Yeah. You know, we, we, we go from yelling and screaming and, you know, like you said, throwing hats and kicking over wall lockers and all <laughs> that good stuff. Um, you know, mo- mo- moving base around and stuff like that um, to that coach teaching mentor and yeah. getting getting that civilian to be a soldier and then getting that sol- soldier to be a military police soldier. Yeah. Or whatever, um, you know, branch or MOS they decided to go into, but it's not, like you said, I was in two years of being on the trail, which was probably, I would have to rank up and probably my top two assignments of being in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot tell you a single time where I was personally mad at any soldier. Yeah, no, me either. And that's, I was there for three years, almost two years, 11, two years, 10 months. Yeah. And I never, I never, I remember personal time like but what was crazy was like I tell you what like it's a, a funny story man but like I remember when I first came back from drill star school and I was in Delta Company and uh 
we were eating breakfast. I was a Terry, but like I, I don't know if you remember, but like that cycle when I came in, they were already like in blackface, mm-hmm. and uh, we were we were sitting out eating breakfast, you know, in the privates we were eating breakfast. But I remember we were sitting there, and like what what clicked, what made that click in my brain was Fryer. <laughs> we were all sitting there eating, chilling, and then like Fryer saw something that like set him off. But like you know how he was like just stupid animated like all the time. So like oh yeah, he he jumps up and like. <clears throat> Lit light flies into this private, you know, lights into him, goes all the way off the wall. And then he came back, sat down, start eating again, start just talking regular. I was like, wait a minute, like, but that's exactly how it should be. You know, it yeah. should never be like, like you just, like, it's, you, you handle it, address it, and then it's over. Like, and that's why I always just tell people, even in my regular personal life, like, don't hold grudges. Like, I'm, I'm a very direct person, you know, like people, you know, they, they, they say that I'm not the most nice, approachable person. I am very direct. But it's not if if I'm if I admonish you or I scold you, I try to tell people all the time, don't take it personally because I'm only correcting what I feel like is wrong. Like I'm not attacking you. I don't dislike you personally. And honestly, I'm gonna forget about it in five minutes. You know, I'm gonna be over it. Like, but if you hold on to it, you're gonna leave us in that moment that I don't intend on staying in. We gotta push yeah, past exactly. that and, and just move on and do what we need to do, you know. Like I'm not personally against you. Like I love you. I want you to be better. I wanna maximize you, but like don't stay in that moment because only you're going to be there. Cause I'm not going to stay there myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I've had that same mentality. You know, I could yell and scream at you on Monday, you know, Monday morning at PT. Um, and then I see you training at 1300 that afternoon. I'm mm-hmm. done. You know, I've, yeah. what, what I've said, what we've done, you know, whether it be, you know, physical tra- an additional physical training session to make your body and mind stronger, whatever the case may be, once the issue's handled, it's handled. I'm done. I forgot about it. Yep. Move on. You can't stay in that moment. Like, we got to grow from it. Like, we can't just stay in that moment. Like, you can't hold on to it. You got to push past it. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, exactly. So, hey, you, you want to call it there? Call we can. Good? Yeah. Sounds good. Right. It was awesome. I don't know where this is gonna take us, but it's gonna take us take us down down some roads and some mountains or something. I don't know. I think that our experiences people definitely have to learn from, and we would be doing a disservice, even if it's just one, if we don't share our knowledge and wealth with them and Absolutely. to help them. I, honestly, that's I, I totally believe that a hundred percent. Even if I just reach one, it makes it worth it for me. Yep, I agree. All right, battle. Yep. All right, love you. All right, love you too, brother. All right, bye. Later.